1: Pack a Day Podcast.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Packaday Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. It is the last week before the regular season starts. This is our last week that we're not going to be doing a game preview for a while, and we're glad that you're joining us here on the Packaday Podcast. My name is Mike Wilman, and I'm joined by the full crew this week, Matt Fralick and Gage Bridgeford with us. Guys, it's been way too long, and it's good to be have the three of us talking again.
1: It's awesome to be back, man. I feel like Gage brought that up. I feel like I said it was a month. It's probably longer than that, but it's it's good that we're at least reconnecting before the season starts. Because if we were, you know, trickling in September, October, and still in just absolutely erratic schedules, that would that wouldn't be great. But it's exciting to, you know, a week away once this podcast releases for a game, and I'm pumped to get into the Packers and just look at this the schedule and look at the games and look at, you know, just our potential for the 2021 season with the Packers.
3: Yeah, I haven't gotten the chance to look up officially how long it has been, but I know it's been at least two months, or at least eight weeks, uh, just based on how busy. I know I've had work and family in town and other stuff, and I know, Matt, you've traveled, and Mm -hmm. Mike has been working, traveling, and everything else, so it has been a while, and I'm glad that we're all here. We get to knock the rust off a little bit, so that way when we come back next week and get to preview... The Packers-Saints game, which we're not talking about today, but when we're previewing that game, we'll we'll be all in early regular season form and uh, getting ready to uh, start hitting our stride.
2: Absolutely. For us, it's it's our final preseason warm-up before we get to the previews next week. But of course, before we get started, check us out on all podcast platforms, on Twitter, at Pack-a-Day Podcast and check out the YouTube channel that Andy's been working on. It's been spectacular. That's Pack-a-Day Podcast on YouTube as well. And for our main topic today... If you look all over the internet, you will see bold prediction articles for every team. Green Bay, New Orleans, Minnesota, whatever it be, there will be bold predictions. Zach Cruz has a really good one on Packers Wire with he made a bunch of bold predictions, and we thought we would do the same. So we're going to do one prediction for all three of us, or per person, I should say, that we've made for this team, and and these are all pretty bold. So let's jump right in, and we'll start with mine, because mine's the only one that involves the defense. My prediction is the Green Bay Packers will lead the NFL in sacks as a team this year. Last year, the league leader was 56, and that was Pittsburgh. I think the Packers can top that. I really do. I think they can get at least two guys with 12-plus, t- whether it's Zadarius, Preston, or Geary, two of the three. I think Kenny can get 7-10. to 10. I think Kiki can get 5-7. I think you, you have safeties coming off the blitz, whether it be a guy like Savage, Henry Black, I think Joe Barry is going to be aggressive with his linebackers and his safeties. I think they're going to get to the backfield a lot. And with how good we expect the Packers' offense to be, to put a lot of teams in passing situations early or early in the second half at the very worst, you can, tear, you can pin your ears back and go after that quarterback.
1: I don't think it's that crazy. Like, you can rationalize this. Like, first of all, Steelers at 56, their defense is amazing. You expect that to carry over. Bud Dupree's gone from there. I think he was a dynamic edge guy for them, so that sack title will go down a little bit. Packers at 41 last year. You could make an argument that if Rayshon Gary plays you know, more snaps, Preston Smith is actually a factor on defense. And I think some of the interior guys might be able to open up Kenny Clark. You said, what, 7-10 to 10 for Kenny? That seems like a lot. But I think that edge is going to be able to produce a lot more than they did last year. Um, hopefully, Zadarius Smith is fully healthy once the season starts with that back injury. But I don't think it's that crazy of a of a of a take. As I initially heard it, I thought yours was a little bit more outlandish than uh, Gage and myself. But I I don't think it's that far off. Gage, are you, what are your thoughts here? Is are they going to uh, compete? I mean, against the we're talking about like the Steelers, the Rams, the Bucks cardinals washington football team is a great front seven and get after the quarterback did, did the packers have a chance to get into the uh the number one spot for sacks
3: you know so you had mentioned the steelers and traditionally how good their defense is and i so i was curious i was doing a little googling here while you guys were chatting and i wanted to see when do you guys think the last time the steelers ranked outside the top five in sacks for a season was
1: man i i I'm trying to think like they had a weird spell without Bud Dupree, without TJ Watt a couple years prior to that, but they still have always good linebackers. I wouldn't say like twenty fourteen. I'm just gonna throw a number out there. I don't I know I about twenty
3: nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Actually, you would uh you're both be wrong, but Matt was closer. Twenty sixteen. In twenty sixteen okay. the Steelers had thirty eight sacks, which was looks like I believe eighth is how is what that is. That was also the last time they didn't lead the league in sacks. Wow. The the Steelers every year from twenty twenty back to twenty seventeen either led or were tied for the lead in sacks. They I think the they were tied with the Chiefs one year. Other than that, they had led every year. And that was also coincidentally the last time the Packers were as high up. They were they had forty that year. They were it looks like tied for fifth or they were fifth place that season. The Packers leading the league in sacks would, as you said, require a lot of things to go right. But let's go ahead and break it down real quick. So you look at Detroit. I don't think the Detroit offensive line is that good. I think Green Bay can get they get to play them twice in a year. That's a good thing. Jared Goff's also not mobile. He's definitely less mobile than Matt Stafford is, so it's a little easier to sack a guy that can't move very well. All right, moving on to Chicago, you get to play them twice. The Chicago offensive line right now is a total rebuild. I love Tevin Jenkins, but Tevin Jenkins is hurt. Not even necessarily going to play. So you get two. So you get two games against that group. Especially, I think that's the game Kenny Clark. So you, Matt, you said. Oh, I don't know if Kenny can get seven or mm-hmm. whatever. That's a game; those games he can do that because the Bears' interior offensive line is really, really poor. It's really easy to get sacks there. Now, again, now if Justin Fields is starting, it would be a little harder just because he has more mobile, but he does have a tendency to hold on to the ball, so that could, so it could happen there. Now against Minnesota, Minnesota has invested a ton in their offensive line, and for whatever reason, it's never good against Green Bay. They're always they're always bad. Kenny Clark looks like a god amongst men whenever he gets the matchup against Garrett Bradbury, and I'm okay with that. So I think he can get him there. Now, the rest of the schedule is kind of difficult. They do have to play against Baltimore, do have to play against Cleveland, uh, I believe Seattle. They got they got a couple of other matchups in here. So Green Bay leading the league in sacks would be asking a lot. But do I think it's like completely out of the realm of possibility? No, I don't, because Green Bay has... As you said, talented rushers. You got Z if he can come back healthy. I think Preston has a has a better year this year. You ever Rashawn Gary's going to get more work. There's a lot of guys on this team, and I think that they're going to throw like you said, exotic looks with the def- with the defensive backs. Jair, I guarantee gets Jair has at least three sacks this year minimum. I like that. Just because his natural instincts and his ability to his ability is a blitzer, and I think that Joe Barry gets a little spicy with Jair and lets him do kind of like play the hey you you're good go do your thing and we'll see what happens with it. And if you get burned that's okay because you're good and I know that you see what you what you're supposed to see. So, I don't think it's completely outlandish. I don't think it's impossible. I think it's I think it's going to be difficult, but it definitely definitely could happen if just everything kind of breaks the right way. The matchups are the matchups do give you some possibility and I mean you also got to factor in Every other team's gotta be healthy. You said the Steelers, I mean, yeah, they lost Bud Dupree. They're replacing him with Alex Singleton and then did they sign Justin Houston or where did Justin Houston sign? Was that Baltimore? Isn't he
1: he did just sign somewhere, he didn't he? He just signed it,
3: somewhere. I think it was Baltimore.
1: Yeah, he's on Baltimore. That's okay. Uh,
3: oh no, they signed Melvin Ingram. That's who the Steelers mm-hmm. signed. So there you go. I think that Pittsburgh generates a lot of generates a lot of pressure but they've also been ahead for a long time and i think their offense is going to regress i think they're not going to be as bad as everybody assumes they are but i think they're going to regress some and so that'll give less opportunities for sacks so do i think green bay leads the league in sacks this year no do i think green bay can be top five easily yeah and things break their way right especially if the offense is really cooking it could happen definitely within the realm of possibility
2: yeah, I'm with you guys. And they were they were 15 off the pace last year. They came in with 41. They came in tied for 10th with Miami. Again, Pittsburgh, that was 56. Surprisingly, Philadelphia ended up third.
1: I thought that one was really strange, too. I didn't understand why they got so high up there.
2: When you look at all of the teams in the top 10, the outlier is easily Philadelphia, which is just mm-hmm. just bonkers. But I do think with the if the offense can put points up, make teams have to throw the ball, which I think could hurt Pittsburgh with their sack numbers because... Like Gage said, their offense, I think, is going to be have a rough year. I think Roethlisberger is done, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to move the ball that well, so they're going to have some problems with possession, and they're not going to be on the field as much to try and pa- to get after the quarterback. But a team like the Rams, obviously Aaron Donald's going to get his 15 every single year. You know that's going to happen. But I think Green Bay's got enough balance, enough aggressiveness, and enough ingenuity with Joe Barry... That they can really make a run at this, and I, I think if you get breakouts from guys like Kingsley Kiki, Rashawn Gary, even guys like Chris Barnes or Campbell, or even Orton Burks on a blitz every now and then,
1: mm-hmm. you
2: can you'll be they can get to the quarterback. I think they'll have two guys with 12, and they can balance the rest mm-hmm. of it out, and they can they can get up there approaching 50, 55 sacks, and I think that that could be good enough to lead the league. And if they do that, I think they're in a very very good position going forward for the playoff for a playoff run. The Eagles had no one over eight sacks last year. Sorry to
3: sorry to interrupt you there on the transition. No, the eagle the Eagles thing had, is the Eagles had bizarre. no one over eight sacks, but between Graham, Fletcher Cox, and Josh Sweat, they had twenty and a half sacks between those three guys. Damn. So that helps make up a lot. Uh, that's like that's forty percent of your production between three guys, and so that's how they got it. Derek Barnett had five and a half. Javon Hargrave four and a half. So it's just, and then you just ticky tack add them up after a while but i was i was curious because i heard you say it and i was like that they did have third in the league in sacks last year so i want to go look that up but that was so that was a little interesting go ahead and uh, transition there mike
2: so we got our first bold prediction out of the way defensively let's flip it over to the offense and they both involve a passing game and matt we're going to talk about yours first because yours involves an individual player what is your
1: bold prediction so I'm looking here, uh, I like I like the defensive side, I think the offensive side right now. I'm going to go with Alan Lazard being the second leading uh, receiving yards for the Packers. I think based off of last year's production, he played in 10 games, had a pretty good year. Unfortunately, you know, missed a lot of time and relative, you know, to MVS playing and himself like i feel like the yards were very similar once you get down to the end of the year um if lazard ends up playing the full season i think he overmatches MVS. i've always felt that aaron Rodgers and alan lazard have had a really good chemistry together i think robert tanyan you know i was shocked when i looked at his receiving yards from last year obviously he had the huge touchdown total but i want to see he was only over like 500 yards from last year so i don't think it's that Bold of a take. I just do at this point in the season, you know, we especially during training camp and preseason, the receiving core was such a you know, who's going to be left? Are they going to go six or then go seven? Andy had talked about a couple of weeks ago on the, the Pack a Day podcast on the YouTube side that they could go five. And I feel like Alan Lazard was always the kind of that afterthought. He wasn't the potential practice squad or sixth receiver, seventh receiver like Juwan Winfrey or EQ. Or Malik Taylor, but he's he's a productive player on this offense when healthy, and he really only has played one full season healthy. He had that one year we had like one he played one game last year. Like I said, he missed six games. So I think Alan Lazard is a great chance just based off his chemistry, his production, and I think you don't you know if you're going side by side between MVS and him, I I, I just trust Lazard a lot more, and I think MVS did have a really good offseason really good mini camp training camp and stuff i think he looks a lot faster than he has in years past but he's you know it's tough to it's tough to uh drop that drop uh, narrative behind you i think Alan lazard has got an excellent chance to be the number 2 receiver behind obviously devonte adams
2: yeah this is this to me i think is the boldest one of the 3 we have cuz i mean i like Alan Lazard. he i he, i really enjoy watching him watching him play and i think he's a the second best all-around receiver on the team but i i think with well, you saw in the NFC Championship game with MVS getting a lot of chances to make some big plays. And with how much he is being talked up throughout training camp from Rodgers and Coach Lafleur and, and so on and so forth, I think MVS is probably going to number two. Also, the contract year thing for MVS, he's going to be looking to make some money. I think he's going to make some big plays. They've talked about his focus is better. His hands have gotten better. And if that's true, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be pushing 1,000 yards. Lazard was on pace for 720 last year if he had played all 16 games, which is a very good number for a number two or number three receiver. That's that's solid. Mm-hmm. But you also factor in Bob Tunney's going to get some touches, Daguire's going to get some more touches if he's healthy. The running backs will get touches. Randall Cobb's going to get some touches now that he's back. All those targets can't go to just Adams, MVS, and Lazard. So that's going to split targets up. I think Lazard might be the guy who suffers the most from that. Just because he's probably not as explosive as the other guys, he's a good, he's a great third down guy. He's a great blocker, but I'm just, not, I think, he, if, I think he's gonna be the most likely to suffer from a, a lack of targets compared to the other guys, just because of what his skill
0: set is. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed.
4: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen including EE system.
3: Yeah, I that's kind of where I was leaning uh when Matt mentioned it that this was going to be his uh like his take here in the pre, in the pre-show I was thinking I was like uh, could he do that? I I don't know. It'll be the thing. I The main thing I think is his role is very specific in terms mm-hmm. of he like. So you have MBS has is the deep guy. He's the speed guy, whatever. You have Tay is your number one. He can do it all. You mm-hmm. have Cobb and Amari Rogers who kind of do the underneath slot gadgety stuff. You have obviously your your Bob Tunyon, who is your your tight end, who can who catches everything thrown to him and scores touchdowns. Alan Lazard is that guy he seems kind of like the 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 classic phrase the jack of all trades master and none type he's not he's not a he's he can do jump balls a little bit. he's not like pure jump ball guy, but he can do jump balls he can he he's also really consistent catch wise. I feel like he had a drop here or there, but for the most part he's pretty consistent in that aspect of the game he is he's got good size which you love to see he's not the fastest guy so I think that Lazard is the guy that everybody wants a player like him on your team but not everybody has him and could if now if like MBS goes down with an injury I could absolutely see Alan Lazard getting to number two in yard stats but I just don't think I just don't know if he's gonna get like you said Mike the volume to get to that number two role because even like extrapolating his 45.1 yards per game last year, like you said, that was around 700 yards for the season. I mean, MBS had 690 yards, and he if MBS catches just one or two more balls, he he breaks that. How many? So MBS dropped the long ball in the was it was the Bears game or the Niners game. I think it was the Bears game, right? That would have yes. blown the game way open.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, he had, had that one, too. and
3: then. I was gonna say, and then he had one other one. So, like, if he just catches those two long balls, he MVS probably clears 800 yards on the year. So, I think if Lazard was a little bit more of a deep threat, I think that I could absolutely see him getting there. I just think he's too 10 to 15 yardage style guy.
1: And as far as the debate, it's terrible to bring up something to counter your point, right? In the debate, I think the great the the bartering chip here is that MVS is just a a. A, a higher yards per reception guy, like that's a hundred percent what he does, right? But I think Allen's just way more efficient. Like they both had the same amount of receptions last year, but it took 63 targets for MVS to do it, where it was 46 targets for. Uh, Lazard to do it now the only like I said the only difference is when Alan Lazard catches it it's probably you know five to 15 yards with MVS catches it it's 15 to you know 70 whatever the possibility is for him running that deep that deep seam route so I just think like I said a full year with Lazard in this offense you know he had in 2019 it looked okay but I think what he can really do in this offense now is going to be great but there are going to be a lot of other models to feed like Mike had mentioned there's now, now you have the Mari Rogers, Randall Cobb. You're gonna have a full plethora of tight ends now, and even more so if and when Jay Sternberg comes back to the active roster, he can he can catch the ball in the backfield or potentially even on you know as the number two tight end. But I, I just I like Alan Lazard's game. I've liked it for a long, long time since he was at Iowa State and continued on. But I the only issue, like I said, with MVS is that he looked like he had a really good off season. And just his yards per catch is one of the higher in the leagues based off of last year, but I think just the the efficiency with Ion Lazard might be able to push him over the edge.
2: And you could be right. That that's gonna be something to keep an eye on and I again, it all comes down to where do we think the target share goes, and that's gonna be the key thing and it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun thing. And if he ends up second, that's gonna be awesome. Even if he doesn't, I think he has a good year and this offense is gonna be awesome either way. This is gonna be just so much fun and and the fact that we're talking about Alan Lazard more is good because he deserves it. He deserves to be talked about. He is a very good receiver. And I'm worried about how much you are going to have to pay him in a couple of years once his entry, all, all of his exclusive rights stuff is gone. He goes to restricted free agency. That's going to be very interesting because MVS may price himself out of Green Bay this offseason as well. Mm-hmm. So that being said, let's jump to our third and final bold prediction, also involving the pass catchers. Engage. This one is yours.
3: Yeah, and mine is a little on the bold side. I think that this is something that if Green Bay doesn't do it this year, I definitely think at least one other team in the league does, and that is Green Bay has three 1,000 yard pass catchers. So, Devontae Adams is one. As long as I saw somebody on uh, fantasy Twitter the other day said, if what are the odds that or what's the percentage that Devontae Adams doesn't finish as a top five fantasy receiver? I was like, assuming him and Rodgers are both healthy all all year, the odds are 0%. He saw 149 targets last year, caught 115 of them, 1,374 yards, and 18 touchdowns. He also only played 14 games. If Devontae Adams plays all 16 games last year, he breaks the franchise record for receiving touchdowns and doesn't break a sweat while doing it because he constantly – everyone knew he's getting the ball – and it didn't matter. He still was just better than your best corner. Next, I have MBS. I was talking about in the Mass in Matt's segment. I think that he, like you guys have said, he's had a really good offseason in terms of he's been getting a lot of a lot of like stuff has been thrown his way. People are like, hey, MBS looking good. He's really locking in. He's catching, he's catching more consistently. And with his big catchability, it's so easy for him to hit a thousand yards. On 33 catches last year, it's 690 yards. I said that we already talked about two different deep balls that he dropped, that if he catches those, he clears 800 yards, and that's only 35 catches, and he was already over 800. With his big playability, it's just so easy for him to do to hit that big mark despite not being the the highest volume guy. So that's why one of those things where even if Lazard gets a little bit more volume than than MBS does, MBS's ability to create big plays from anywhere because I know that we, there was the play a couple years ago against the Raiders where he caught a drag route two yards in front of the line of scrimmage and then took it 75 yards to the house because he's just turns the corner and he's gone. Everybody talks about how fast Tyreek Hill is and no one really mentions or sees how fast MBS is because he's, what is he, 6'5, six 6'4? Six he's, he's so tall. Everyone's like, yeah, he's tall. He's supposed to be fast, but no, he's he's just flat-out fast, guys. People that are 6'4 and, and can run 4'3 don't just grow on trees. My final one is kind of a mix. I don't have a set guy here, but I got either Rob Tunyon, who his would be a little more difficult. He averaged only 11.3 yards per catch last year. He caught everything, thrown his way, 52 catches on 59 targets. That's great, but he only had 586 yards. If he can be a little bit more of a – Yard turner instead of a catch it and just basically wherever he's at that's where he gets caught which I understand that not every tight end does that there's there's a reason that Travis Kelsey George Kittle Darren Waller are such rare pe- rare players but I think Tanya could get it or if Green Bay really wanted to get their money's worth out of a player that signed a free agent deal this off season, Aaron Jones I thought about getting really spicy before we started the podcast and said that Aaron Jones getting a thousand and a thousand isn't out of the realm of possibility. He only had 355 yards last year, and I think if they wanted to, he could get 1,000 and 1,000. I just don't think they want to.
1: 1,000? Holy shit. He could do it. He definitely could do it. I think with A.J. Dillon emerging, though, and Kylan Hill, especially A.J. Dillon, he's going to pull some targets and snaps away from Aaron Jones. The Tanya the 1,000 yards in a thousand yards to me is tough. Like Tanya had a good year last year, but like I said, mine like he only had five hundred some yards. The touchdowns were obviously huge. I think there's gonna be some natural regression with that, especially with all the other uh, receivers now. I, I man, it. I don't think Tanya's the guy to do it. I think the Packers have a potential to have three of them. I don't, but I don't think Alan Lazard's a guy either. MVS is for sure. Definitely Devonta Adams. It's just like that offense is productive enough. There's just so many mouths to feed. Like it's, it seems like it's tough to put it just into three guys when essentially they have four tight ends right now and six receivers and one really really good passing back.
3: Okay, well, so so real quick, so you said they have four tight ends. So they have Tunyon, what Deguara, Daphne, Mercedes. Is that or wait? No, 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 it's yeah, DeGuara, Okay, is that that's the four?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. So let's go through it real quick. Mercedes last year had 10 catches. I don't really think that that number goes up.
2: And he's got Kelly he maybe taking the snaps as the big guy.
3: <laughs> I it, like He's got his role. We know what he's doing. You had DeGuara had obviously one catch. Okay, he got hurt. Fine. Dominique Daphne, who was the DeGuara replacement, two catches. Okay, so between three guys – 13 receptions last year. I'm not too concerned about that. And I know the name that we're kind of ignoring so far is Jay Sternberger, obviously, Mm -hmm. who's starting the season on the suspension list. And we kind of talked about it beforehand. We don't really think he makes the roster. If he does make the roster, then absolutely. I'm I'm throwing my pick in the trash for Rob Dunyan. And then Aaron Jones. Like I said, I think Aaron Jones could get to 1,000. I just don't think they want him to get to 1,000. So, but it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. Also, there's 17 games this year.
1: That's actually your bet. That's your best. Yes, that actually that's, makes. sense.
3: There is a whole sense. extra game for Green Bay to score points, and especially in who's that extra game against? Is it against? Is it against an elite defense? No, it's against Kansas City, where the goal is going to be we have to score as many points as possible.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's so that, track meet.
3: That could be a replay of the Rams Chiefs game from a few from a couple of years ago. Where it was, what, was like 56 to fifty six like 53 or something wild?
2: Yeah, that, that was it like watching happen. a
3: Big 12 game. It was awesome. I had just had no surgery the week before, so I sat there on the couch and watched the entire time, the entire thing. It was great. So, yeah, 17-game season. Rodgers knows his guys. And you said, oh, there's too many mouths to feed. Okay, so you got Amari Rodgers and Randall Cobb. I think those two will cannibalize each other. That's another name I didn't even mention this whole time. What if Rodgers is like, you know what, Randall Cobb's back. That's my guy. I'm feeding my guy. Randall Cobb could hit 1,000 yards this year. Just because Rodgers is like, I'm feeding my guys. And you see Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb see 10 targets a game mm-hmm. a piece. So that that's another guy that I didn't even bring up here. But if those two guys cannibalize each other, Amari and Randall Cobb, okay. Lazard, I already said, I don't think he sees quite enough volume to factor in. Tunyon's going to get his touches. MBS is going to get his deep shots, at least one or two per game minimum, and Devontae Adams is going to get his. It, it's not like it's not like I'm throwing out just something wild that's just impossible here.
2: No, it's not impossible by any means. And when you brought up Randall Cobb, I wanted to make some sort of like outlandish, insanely stupid bet that if he gets a thousand yards, I would do something. But <laughs> knowing Randall Cobb and Aaron's love for him, I'm not going to make that bet because I value – my finances at this point but i, I i'm randall very well could have aaron does force him in the scramble drill type stuff especially with the young offensive line but uh, Devontae obviously is a lock i think mvs is a pretty good bet if if he's able to c- consistently catch those deep shots because he's open constantly he's become actually a very good route runner for a guy his size he's actually grown a lot in that in that aspect oh you mean like a guy's
3: good a guy is good and he's not just bad like everybody seems to think he is because he has like one or two drops and everyone's like oh he's bad that's what that means
2: correct uh, but again <laughs> it, it is a third guy whether it's lazard Tunyon, jones i mean you never know it could be even randomly a guy like could break out I mean, we, we all know matt lafleur's love for josiah deguara I, I it's not likely but you never know he's I've I've been comparing ever since he got drafted to Chris Cooley, and Cooley had some pretty big years in Washington, so he, with Matt Lafleur as a coach there. So you never know, but I it, like that comparison. It, it's a it's a very bold. It, these are three very bold statements, like legitimately bold, and I think. It'll be tough because he's because I think we, we you did the research gauge before we started recording. Last one was the Cardinals back in was it 20 two thousand eight or something like that? Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. I actually still have
3: that list pulled out.
2: Two thousand and eight Arizona Cardinals, two thousand four Colts,
3: ninety-five Falcons, eighty-nine Washington, eighty Chargers.
2: And and I remember though that obviously I wasn't alive with them, but I remember reading about that Chargers team. That Washington team had a lot of great receivers. That Colts team duh it's prime peyton manning marvin harrison all those guys but we look at that arizona team obviously bolden and Fitz at that point were great then steve breston out of nowhere had a thousand yards who's going to be the steve breston of green bay it's going to be randall cobb and then you're going to be bro taylor no steve breston
1: name like when you said that earlier i almost i almost fell off my chair like that
2: we we can ask jacob what he thinks about steve breston a michigan guy unbelievable yeah, so it's
3: it's possible. And another thing that I didn't even mention, the Chargers in 2019 came really close. They were seven yards from Austin Eckler, who only started eight games that year from pulling wow. it off. It's been recent. Mike Williams had 1,001 yards. Austin Eckler had ninety three nine 993 yards. Keenan Allen had 1,199. And Eckler only started eight games that year. It's not completely impossible for it to happen. I was surprised those old and Chargers teams never did it with LT. For sure. My guess is there was just a lot of so it was there, like you had Antonio Gates, you had Tomlinson, but I who was the top receivers on that team?
2: Well, even then you also had the Big, guys like Darren Sproles on
3: those teams. Yeah, yeah. but Sproles didn't get enough touches. But anyway, it's it's a thing that has happened. It, like it's been a little while, but now you're now it's happened or been close to happening several times in the last decade. I think I saw like four or five teams. I just closed the tab. Four or five teams in the last decade have been close. Now you have an extra full game. Extra game makes all the difference.
2: And you said when you started this topic that if Green Bay doesn't do it. Another team might. I and think another team does. I think, I think like Tennessee. It, it, AJ Brown and Julio. AJ Brown, Julio. Okay. Who's their tight end? Who's
3: the team?
1: other one though? Their tight
3: end is first. first or, not yeah. not gonna happen. I like if I, I mean you're ignoring a pretty big one. Dallas. Dallas could do it. C.D. Amari, Michael Gallup could all do the- it.
1: What about the Bucs? What about the Chiefs? Like, I don't think, I think the No, Antonio Brown's going to gonna get
3: suspended before it matters. So.
1: Ooh, all right, fair.
2: The Chiefs. And I'm, not, Chiefs I'm never going to talk about a, a guy a, that doesn't a, deserve it. A, so. a decent look. Chiefs can't.
3: Nope. Chiefs won't get so. it because B. Cole Hardman's too Chiefs. Yeah, I was like, B. Cole's not consistent. I, mean, not I think another matter. team does it. I just don't know who. It could be, it could be the Chargers. I know what about Buffalo? Austin Eckler's healthy for the full year. You have Mike Williams. You have. Um, Keenan Allen, they they could easily do it. It's it's not out. It's not completely insane. By the way, uh, in 2004, when the Chargers went 12 and 4 and were first in the AFC West, LT only had 441 yards on 53 catches.
2: Hmm.
3: So like he was he can catch balls, but he wasn't necessarily going too far with them. So, but I mean, yeah, the Chargers just a couple years ago were close. I mean, those guys are all still there. Justin Herbert takes year two lead. Boom, there you go. You mentioned the bills. You got yeah, Diggs, Cole Beasley, assuming he
2: Dawson Knox, yeah, whatever.
3: No, I I I lean more towards Gabe Davis because Gabe Davis has kind of got that MBS factor of or, he's the or, big play or guy. Or even
2: if they decide to bring back John Brown, who's now a free agent.
3: Oh well, no, they haven't. They have Manny Sanders.
2: And they have yeah. And there's another one that could. So they, I mean, the options are there for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, Chase Claypool. Juju. Sure. Ben can, more, can Ben throw more than 10 yards
3: no but Juju doesn't go that far down the field but we're getting a little off the rails here we're getting a little off the rails I think another team has it if there was a bet if I could go out somewhere and bet that I would bet that it happens
2: and I'd probably be with you on that one I just don't I just like kind of thinking of which teams it could be because it's always fun to think about I mean even Minnesota could be one of those teams when you really think about it yeah, they could. Dalvin Cook. So that being said, as we wrap things up, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping as well. As we were recording this, the Packers did officially announce the trade for Corey Bajorquez. So he is officially in Green Bay, uh, 24 years old, great numbers in Buffalo, which is very promising, p- kicking in the cold. six foot 6'208". They've not given him a jersey number yet. So that's going to be, I want to see where, how that ends up, whether he gets the number hmm. 6 like to replace our dear departed 14-year-old J.K. Scott. But either way, it is, one out. it is official. Corey Bajorquez is a Green Bay Packer. They yeah, are also the only ordained minister on the Packers roster.
1: Good to know. Good, That's also good insight.
2: Going to file that one away for later. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That, that was actually on the five things to know about him on the Packers website that they just released a few minutes
3: <laughs> ago. You know, that's important. These are the these are the priority things that we all need to know and pay attention to.
2: So those are our, some of our bold predictions. So let us know when this episode gets released, what some of your bold predictions are. Or let us know on the Twitter post that will come from the release of the podcast tomorrow morning or Sunday morning. Let us know on our reviews on whatever social media or whatever podcast platform you use to let us know what... You, your bold predictions are for Green Bay this season. It's, I, I, I love reading it. I love hearing the optimism or pessimism, depending on your point of view, on what the Packers could do in 2021. It's going to be a lot of fun. And next week, we'll be here to preview the Packers and the Saints in Jacksonville because they had yeah. to go to Jacksonville. So we'll... Hope, and hopefully everyone in New Orleans, hopefully everyone's doing all right down there from the hurricane. Hopefully everyone recovers. Also in New York from the flooding that came afterwards. Again, everyone, hopefully you're all staying safe. But as we wrap things up, Gage, where can people find you? As always, you can find me on Twitter, at GBridge
3: for the NFL. Uh, all my writings there, doing some stuff for Rotoballer this year, kind of dialing it back a little bit, focusing a little bit more on the news desk side. Still doing a weekly uh, prop article with them with Monkey Knife Fight that uh, for Thursday Night Football, so that will come out every Thursday morning. Uh, so you can look forward to that. Uh, doing some stuff with Dynasty Nerds is going to be doing the running back start sit column again this season, so that'll so you'll be able to look ahead to that one. Uh, and then uh, still doing Denver Stiffs, uh, Denver Nuggets coverage, which that'll take a little bit of a little bit of a backseat for the next uh, two month, a uh, little month or so. Geez, I just realized the NBA season's only a month and a half away. Uh, So a little bit of a backseat there, still putting out some stuff there. I will be doing, as I have done for the last, I think this is my fourth or fifth year now, of every single Sunday. I will be from 9 a.m. right up until 1 o'clock kickoffs. I will be doing answering all fantasy football questions that are tweeted at me, literally every single one of them. If you DM me, you tweet it at me, you respond to my tweet because I send out when I schedule it every single Sunday. I will answer every one of them up to kickoff. Even if you're playing against me, I will answer it. You can ask friends that I've played against. I'll answer their question even if they're playing against me. But so that. But Rich for NFL, it's the easiest place to find me and all of my work.
1: You can still find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. We are gearing up f- with Game on Wisconsin for our, I guess, live show slash meetup slash party slash whatever you want to call it on September 19th, right before the uh, Monday night game versus the Lions, that, or excuse me, September, yeah, it is September 19th, so that's going to be awesome. We're really, really pumped for that, but I'm really pumped just for the actual season to start. I feel like it's been a tumultuous offseason with Aaron Rodgers' saga. We've gotten a little bit past that, but I think some fans and myself included are losing the fact that the Packers are a hell of a football team. They have a really, really good chance to at least get back to another C- NF- NFC championship game. And I'm looking forward to talking about that with you guys every single week on Pack a Day podcast. And like Mike said, make sure you are wherever you're listening, you're subscribed, liked reviewed and share it with your friends. Cause that's helps us grow, but um, it's going to be a hell of a season. I'm excited to break it down with you guys each and every week.
2: One hundred percent, And you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wendland, all one word. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm focusing on my broadcasting career for Zaleski Sports. Now, in full swing of high school sports, I'm doing soccer, volleyball, and football for the Amherst Falcons out in Amherst, Wisconsin. Uh, one, now one of the dynasties in high school football in Wisconsin. I got a big game this week. They'll be hosting Wittenberg-Burnhamwood in a conf- two top ten teams in their division, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And you can find my broadcasting work at ZaleskiSports.com. For that, it's Z-A-L-E-S-K-I. And like Matt said, find us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Follow our YouTube channel. Andy, and, and, and if you're talking, he's had a sub come in. Have done great work on there. He's got great guests. We've had a couple players come on. And that's been a really, really cool uh, add-on to our Packaday Podcast family here. So that being said, we'll wrap things up for today. For Matt Fralick and for Gage Bridgeford, this is Mike Wenland saying so long, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned every single day for more pack day content. And, of course, and as always, stay safe, always carry the G, and go Pack-Go. We'll see you next week for the start of the season.